The following podcast is rated M for mature language, themes, and content. Listener discretion is advised. And it's also rated S for spoilers. Lots and lots of spoilers. In a world of cable cutting and video on demand, one streaming service offers a ray of hope to humankind. From the heights of science fiction, fantasy, and animation, to the depths of reality TV and everything in between. We're looking at you, rom-coms. Netflix originals deliver the content you crave, but are they good? We're about to find out. This is Netflix and Podcast. Funny story to kind of pivot to some Netflix stuff. <laughs> yeah, you, know how we were, you know how we were joking? I don't know, maybe a couple of recordings ago about Netflix needing to do their own social network. They have. It's called The Social Dilemma. So they, yeah, they I did it. Had a, I haven't watched it, but I saw a, pre- a preview thing for it. And apparently it's all like kind of the sketchy bad stuff that we've been discovering. And then it, you know, the, uh, the romantic notions of bringing people together and creating community while they may have happened to some extent. I uh, don't know if it's been outweighed by the insanity that social media has uh, helped to propagate. But yeah. I just thought that was funny that we were talking about that. And like, literally, that was a, a new show that just popped up this past week. All right, we're going to do it. Hey, everybody, I'm Dr. T, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Joy and Seamus. Thank you, as always, for joining us here at Netflix and Podcast, the show where we talk about Netflix originals and Netflix originals only, examining them through the lens of storytelling, psychology, sociology, visual effects, and when it's all said and done, give them a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Or in this case, uh, kind of looking at the entire series as a whole, since we've already worked our way through the official episodes. This is the unofficial uh, eighth episode. I guess it's officially the unofficial eighth episode. The Tiger King and I, and it's the postmortem with some of the cast members, hosted by Joel McHale of uh, the Community TV series. And what was he on? Talk Soup? The Soup, yeah. The Soup. The yep. soup. Was it originally yep. Talk Soup and then they just shortened yeah, it? Yeah, and then that was before he got on, I believe. Hmm. Talk Soup in like the 90s or something like that. It was like the Facebook and then he's like, no, it's just Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what did, uh, you know, so we'll talk about this and we'll talk about some other stuff that's been happening in Tiger King land after the show uh, wrapped up. But just uh, looking at this reunion special, I guess you could say, what uh, what were your thoughts? Did you enjoy it? Most of the time, I was just really uncomfortable. It was a little awkward. It was like so awkward. Joel McHill has a unique view on pop culture and celebrity, and he's also in it himself, right? right? Because of the work that he's done in that industry. So he's steeped in this stuff. I don't think that he really had the idea going into it, the people that he was talking to just... <laughs> probably wouldn't understand a lot of his jokes or references or also aren't so drenched in that culture. And so the audience, we picked up on some things. And I think when the person he was interviewing, it just kind of like, I just, I don't know, the whole thing felt like a little awkward to me. There are some super awkward, like, like, huh, like laughs, like, yeah. like Joel McHale would make a joke or something. And then you just see like, like an uh, yeah. obligatory yeah where a studio audience would have been great at that time you know right that's yeah, when a laugh the track thing. comes in mm-hmm. or like you know real people or fake laughter something to let you know like hey it's all good and it's not yeah. as awkward as it really is you know all of these people they're regular people they're not they don't have the experience and the repetition of being interviewed like this so mm-hmm when you're especially like you you know you're on camera you're also in quarantine like there's a whole bunch of other stuff like outside factors going on that i'm just guessing that this was their first talk show type of interview as opposed to the documentary sort of interview that they were obviously used to because it's more talking about them and their experience throughout the whole thing and how they're perceived so that in my opinion sort of aided in the uncomfortable feeling just because they're not used to doing it like if they were to do it more often and like go through the the reps and do the tour and all that they'd get better throughout and yeah I mean Joel McHale has a very unique interview style (laughs) very dry yeah really really dry sarcastic slightly condescending 
I met, him, I'm, I met him once at a, at a gala and he's very much like that in person. So at least yeah. like in public, he could turn it off. You know, I, you know, you never know, but, but yeah, I think he was a good moderator as it were to, yep. to get through all this sort of stuff, because if, if it was a more experienced, just interviewer type of guy that didn't throw in the pop culture jokes and stuff, it wouldn't have been as significant. I don't think because tiger King itself, took pop culture by storm kind of thing i thought yeah. it was cool just from like a time capsule perspective this episode i mean it's deep quarantine it's filmed with iphones like joel McHale at the top of it says that you know he had basically pitched the idea to netflix after the show had uh, concluded after tiger king the series had wrapped and they basically basically sent him an iphone and it's iphone quality and it is guests who are also recording on iPhone. So it's people recording on their phones by themselves. There's no crew, there's no laugh track, there's no audience, like anything like that. Basically it's like not really produced much more than hopping on like a Zoom call. And so to me, that's just so interesting because it's such a specific thing to this time. And I expect, uh, knock on wood, hope that we'll at some point return to a a more quote unquote normal way of living. Uh, and if that's the case, it's going to be really funny to like, somebody's going to watch us this and be like, what the F was going on? Like what in the world is this? What were people doing then? It's just such an interesting little time capsule for me. So, but an awkward one, you know, and one where clearly the, the participants didn't have media training or hadn't been on like a PR circuit. Uh, as you may expect in a normal situation. It's not like Jimmy Kimmel Live where people are on there and they've done this and they had that kind of right. pitter patter. A lot of people sign up for reality TV. They know what they're getting into. Like it was a documentary, so it's not, it just, I think it caught a lot of them off guard. I think a lot of these people were probably just pretty blindsided by the whole thing. I don't know, Seamus, you could probably give us a little insight. I mean, after the filming is done, couple of years of post-production and contracts being signed and things of that nature. So they could have wrapped up filming years ago. And frankly, some of the, uh, you'll just say minor characters, some of the people who maybe weren't Joe Exotic or Jeff Lowe or whoever, they might not even really have known when it was going to come out. And the way that Netflix drops things, it could have just been like, they're going about their business, taking care of tigers. And then one day they're in Walmart and people are asking for their autograph and selfies. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to say with something like this because, yeah, Netflix will drop stuff later. I mean, like I was telling you guys earlier before we started recording, the last film that I have that I will have ever worked on visual effects-wise is out in theaters now, but I finished working on that in 2018. Mm. So I worked on, I don't know, four or five movies after that, but releases get delayed and, and all that sort of stuff, so... Having worked on a couple of Netflix shows, though, there are some some hard out dates for us too on the visual effects end, and we're usually the last stage, you know, before it gets mastered and released. Yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember when Joe was convicted and all that, but that seemed to be sort of the wrap up of when they mm-hmm. when they stopped filming. So maybe a year they were working on polishing polishing this thing up and trying to tell the story they wanted to and and all that because they had and I don't even want to know how many how many hours of footage they had from all the stuff that Joe created and all the stuff that Rick Kirkham created and all the stuff the documentary documentarians had like it's big big ups to the editorial staff yeah big ups to the editorial staff for for this project for sure that's a lot of footage to sort through I mean I'd be surprised if we saw one percent of what they had yeah you know yeah Years of Rick Kirkham, years of Joe Exotic TV, and uh, a pretty good amount of time with um, Eric. And then I forget the, uh, was it Jennifer, maybe? Eric and Jennifer, the two directors for the Netflix show. Anyway, we'll find out. I'll look it up at some point. <laughs> but yeah, so we get this like really, we get, well, this is going to be it. We're going we're gonna to wrap our Tiger King talk today. But yeah, so we've got this iPhone, Zoom, Skype style interview. Uh, with Joel McHale and a couple cast members, we get to hear from Eric Cowie, Jeff and Lauren Lowe, John Renke, Kelsey Saf- Safari, uh, Joshua Dial, John Finley, and Rick Kirkham. I think that that was, uh, well, conspicuously absent from this, our old friend uh, Doc Ellis, I'm just kidding, Doc Antle, 
I was trying to remember where the hell I came up with that <laughs> <laughs> the last time. No Carol Baskin. So two of the big characters were not included. We didn't have any calls from Joe from prison, which I would have thought he would be totally into doing a call in or something along those lines, but maybe they did and it was just too ridiculous and like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's entirely possible. You know, maybe it was in a rare form. But yeah, I thought it was enjoyable just going through and listening to some of their takes. I mean, it really did seem like most, if not all of them, were caught off guard by how successful the show was. I was also really endeared to how real they are, just in terms of, frankly, like Eric Howie's still working at the zoo. He was working at the zoo after Joe got arrested and Jeff and Lauren Lower took possession of it. And so he was still putting in those 12, 14 hour days, taking care of the animals. I believe Kelsey uh, Saf Safari was also still employed at the zoo. So they've just been working. They literally, you know, what happened with Tiger King, what we saw, we got a glimpse of their life, but their lives continued, I guess is my point. And they're still doing the thing. They're still focused on the animals. And so the fact that now in the course of their day-to-day life, people are coming up to them and they literally did say people were trying to get selfies at Walmart and stuff like that. I think it's- In the middle uh, of quarantine. Yeah. In the middle of quarantine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love when, I think it was John Renke, he's like, you know, they're kind of trying to come, to come up to me during the COVID or something like that. He kind of yeah. mentioned like getting up in they my They don't face care about the COVID. COVID. They yeah. still want to shake my hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Our boy Josh Dial, still like the most realist person in this whole thing. He's like, yeah, I just want some counseling, frankly. Like I just need, uh, any doctors want to, maybe help me. I think I need some medication, need some counseling. It's like, dude, I, yeah, of course you do. Like, how, how do you not after all this? Gosh, you just felt for him in this yeah. interview. I just wanted to give that guy a hug. And yeah, he, he seems very self-aware of his situation and the reality that he went through and you can just tell he's just really still struggling like hardcore poor guy i mean probably some legit ptsd i mean you see somebody kill themselves you see you know joe's just daily behavior you know all the animal stuff i mean that's the thing it would be weird if it didn't affect you and it seems like some of the other people are coping with it but in less straightforward ways you know i think rick kirkham talks about how he basically went on a bender uh, drinking a handle of rum a night, you know, so he was medicating, but self-medicating. Yeah. I mean, this was a crazy thing to, to live through and to, to literally live through because they were living at the park. They were there 24 hours a day. So crazy. Yeah. I mean, to be just immersed into that world fully and deeply and have the whole thing imploding around you and just kind of being carried along with that. And then to continue working there in the case of, you know, Saf and uh, Eric Howie, it's like, Oh my gosh. Like they're still in it. You know, I didn't really find out how, how committed Eric Cowie was until this, this wrap up. Like I knew he was into it and he talked about when he kind of almost broke down in front of the courthouse um, after testifying against Joe, that's sort of when it hit, but that's what last episode or something like that. So yeah, those two definitely seem to be the most committed for the animals, not to Joe. Josh Dial seemed pretty committed to Joe. You know, it seemed like him and Joe had a connection, at least from Josh to Joe. So to the extent that Joe did have genuine like relationships, who knows? Yeah. Um, well, know. you know, he mentioned that in his interview. He's like, yeah, you know, we're both gay men in Oklahoma. We're an endangered species here. Mm-hmm. And then one of my favorite after like re- follow-up questions that Joel gave him was like, so did Joe ever try and hit on you? And he's like, no. He likes some young and dumb, and I aged out of that program like 10 years ago. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> young, dumb, and we don't, you can fill in the blank. Um, I actually, uh, after I watched this, I was like talking to my wife, and I was like, Have you ever heard the phrase young, dumb, and full of? And I just kind of left it, and she's like, What? I was like, What do you think? She's like, What, what are you talking about? I'm like, Think about it, think about it. She's like, Oh, really? And so. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's uh, the joys of watching shows like this. You get to pick up on all these uh, fun catchphrases. But yeah, I mean, you know, and that's a good point. So I felt a little bit, 
I felt a little bit like what was the point of me kind of re-engaging with the Tiger King and you know rewatching all this stuff and talking about all this stuff when at the end of the day it kind of seemed like everybody was terrible the world sucks nothing changed the tigers are still being abused yeah joe's in jail but doc antle's still philandering around and carol's still being carol and really watching this i was like you know what the real unsung heroes of this are are eric cowie are saf these people who really did care like they truly did care so it just made me realize it's easier to focus on the bad. You know, it's easier to focus on the bad people who do the bad things. When you've got people like Saf and, and Eric, they're showing up every day. They legitimately are working hard in the interest of taking care of these animals, making sure they're fed, making sure that their condition is as good as it possibly can be. Certainly the opposite of abusing them. That's That's worth celebrating. And it wasn't really emphasize so much in this show, although they did get, you know, some camera time and were able to kind of express themselves. But I think it's really up to us as the audience to kind of see that and pull that out and be like, you know what? No, not everybody sucks. Like these people were actually really good people. You know, I think uh, Josh Dial, he seems like a, a legitimately good person with good intentions who really wanted to help, you know, and then you look at people even like Rick Kirkham, who was at least honest enough to say, hey, you know, I compromised my journalistic inter uh, integrity while I was filming because I had, you know, sort of dollar signs uh, in my eyes, but that was a mistake. And subsequent to that, he separated himself from the situation. He's living in Norway now. He initially coped by kind of succumbing to, uh, you know, alcoholism for a period of time, but he even checked himself into, it sounds like a rehab. He called it, I don't know what he called it, like a loony bin or something along those lines but he's he's owning it you know he's owning his actions he's he's taking responsibility he's not feeding us more bs in the way that yeah. joe certainly uh, still is and jeff did in this too oh a million percent Ugh. so do we want to talk about jeff and uh and lauren they were the first up on this one or second up actually. second yeah they were second jeff lauren and the nanny the nanny well apparently they found a <laughs> nanny and uh yeah, she's pretty hot. I don't know how good she is taking care of kids, but uh, Jeff seems to be satisfied. It just was interesting to me hearing um, Jeff talk about how he wasn't happy with how the documentary portrayed him and that every documentary needs a bad guy. And he, he was like, oh, they made me the bad guy. To me, that's just classic narcissism. Um, I love it when Josh uh, Dial, he was like, the truth hurts or something like that when they were talking about uh the way that jeff uh was unhappy with how he was how he was shown i thought that was hilarious yeah i mean clearly jeff <laughs> was portrayed generously i would say i mean i think they could have gone a lot harder at him gotten into his oh yeah more pushed back against some of his claims that they basically just like allowed him to speak in many cases on the show, you know, without really having any, you know, differing viewpoints. Every step along the way, this guy has done self-serving, self-interested things that completely disregard their impact on anyone or anything around him, um, including Lauren, which I want to know, I kind of want to know more about her and maybe we will find out more about her because apparently there's a Jeff and Lauren reality tv show potentially in the works we haven't uh we don't really have any firm details about that but um that's certainly been teased by jeff and uh yeah i mean like who's like who she just seems normal i don't know she seems like normal like i don't know so do you think she's just really into affliction t-shirts because jeff has like 60 apparently i don't know i don't know it's just like you've got this 67-year-old con man who probably doesn't have nearly as much money if he has any money at all. Like to, to me, I look at Jeff Lowe and I'm like, this guy probably has more debt uh, than assets. Like I think he's yeah. the red. Like I could say that with a high degree of confidence. He's clearly a con man. And she's like ride or die for him in the face of his God, what seemed like blatant insults. Anyway, yeah. that's probably why they're going to get their own reality TV show because that's a whole crazy Gordian knot of <laughs> toxic relationships. Yep. <laughs> yep. But hey, I mean, mobsters have girlfriends. That's true. And that's and they true. have ones that are smart and, and cunning and beautiful. And that's like a thing. So 
carry maybe, on the great, uh, great tradition. We'll see how this goes. Maybe Lauren will make out uh, really well in the end of all of this because she's a smart cookie. So who knows? We'll hope, see. Hope for her. Hope. <laughs> Hope the best for Lauren and their kid. I mean, obviously, it's just a baby, an innocent bystander, if you will. So, yeah, and I mean, after the Tiger King wrapped up, apparently Jeff was continuing to run the zoo. We got some kind of teasers from him about, you know, wanting to put up a new facility near the casino uh, in Thackerville. Doesn't really seem like that's happened. He had his falling out with Tim Stark, the, you know, the other guy that he was working on the zoo with. Had a falling out with James Garrettson, the guy who he set Joe up with. So apparently Jeff was running the zoo to some extent, um, but then uh, his exhibitor license from the USDA got suspended. And according to Jeff, he had actually forfeited it. Uh, that's his stance that he had forfeited it because he didn't want to uh, keep running the zoo and he was just kind of tired of the drama. But according to the USDA, it's because the animals were sick and he didn't pass inspection and they're in poor condition. And that's why the zoo ultimately had to close. So as of this point in time, it seems like Joe Exotic's GW Zoo is permanently closed. And I guess at some point the ownership's going to transfer over to Carol because she ultimately did um, win that settlement. So even if Jeff had been running it well, it would have gone over to uh, Carol anyway. But yeah. And again, it's like, well, who knows? Like, who knows what happened to the animals when the zoo closed? Do they get moved out or, or whatever? I don't know. But you can't visit yeah. there anymore, apparently. So if anyone's planning a trip up to Oklahoma, <laughs> the greater Winniewood area. Let us, let us know what you find. Probably won't find <laughs> yeah. much. Take some pictures. Yeah. I did hear in, a, uh, in an interview with the journalist who was covering this story that they went to the facility after everything shook out with Joe and they literally had squirrels and pigeons in cages. So they were like exhibiting squirrels and pigeons. And the person was like, um, aren't these just like wild animals that just could like just be out of the cage? Like, I mean, they're probably just roaming around the park and someone came after him with a net. It's like, we need something in this old tiger cage. Yeah, that's interesting. Sounds like it's probably in a sad state. Mm -hmm. So we hear from Jeff and Lauren They've got their nanny. They're still kind of, or Jeff's still running his cons. Lauren's still buying the hype, apparently. Then we get a little uh, touch base with uh, with John Renke. I thought he nailed it when he was talking about who he wanted to play him in like a, you know, in a dramatic Tiger King. McConaughey, mm -hmm. come on. I mean, that's perfect. Yep. Well, my pick would be David Spade for him, actually. Oh, okay. Okay. I could see a David Spade. I was yeah. feeling the McConaughey. What about you, Seamus? I don't know. I don't know if I could see David Spade. He's too, like, snarky and sarcastic. <laughs> I think David Spade could, could do a Joe Exotic. No, he can even no. do the voice. He could he's nail got, that he's voice. He's got leading man he energy. He could, yeah. but that's not, that's not my pick for, that's not my pick oh, for okay. Joe, though. Okay, well, let's, let's wait. We'll, we'll get that. We'll get yeah, there. you know, I don't know. I think, you know, McConaughey looks... McConaughey could do it. He's an amazing actor kind of thing. So yeah. I think he could, he looks pretty similar and, you know, he's had roles of that age before. So yeah, I think that's a good, good choice. Yeah. And he's gained and dropped enough weight to kind of have that sort of haggard look going on. And yeah. Um, other good news for uh, Renke, apparently he's got a new girlfriend because we heard at the end of uh, the Tiger King that he had uh, separated and, um, and he's back to not wife. wearing pants. Back to so, you one know. day with pants for the courtroom appearance. <laughs> Probably back to no pants. Uh, he did say that his divorce is taking a long time because of the COVID. That was another thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apparently that's. Let me just up. point out that the pants, the pair of pants that he bought and wore, they're convertible to shorts. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Of course they are. That's great. <laughs> He just wanted to know that he oh. could turn them into shorts if right if handy if up. needed right yeah. it really came down to it Ooh. Um, too funny and i yeah. do think it was interesting how he said he didn't think this was over that he was going to be going back to court and right. i just wonder if he's been interviewed by other investigators at this point because remember in the documentary when it ended he said i don't know why they didn't talk to me and so you wonder since then has he now been talked to so maybe mm -hmm. that's why he made that comment about like this isn't over so that definitely piqued my interest i was like hmm. yep that's why definitely. he hasn't sold those pants on ebay yet 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, wasn't He's that? A, need him again. Wasn't that what they were saying? Like he could probably yeah. make a, a tidy little profit, <laughs> yeah. little collector's item. Those convertible pants. I mean, hey, you know. Yeah. If you're hot, you can just drop the legs off and uh, carry on. So yeah, good things happening for John Ranky. Happy to hear that he's he's uh, making some positive moves in his life. He always seemed like a pretty, a pretty, I wouldn't say maybe the best guy because he definitely went along with some of Joe's shenanigans. But you know, he certainly wasn't one of the worst. So, wishing well to Je- or uh, wishing well to John. Then we hear from a fan favorite, Saf Safari. Saf is just like a champ, obviously renowned for having his arm bit off by a tiger never had any ill feelings towards the tiger took full responsibility for it got right back to work uh within a week and you know like eric cowie is continuing to work at uh at the old gw zoo i don't know right now since the zoo's closed but at least the latest news and if you go on saf's uh, linkedin i think it's like zoo manager is is listed as occupation so hmm. Still committed to the tiger, still doing the thing. Someone needs to grab Saf and uh, train him for public speaking, and he could make tons of money going around the country talking to people about resilience and yeah. great story. Like, there's your future self-help public speaker right there. Yeah. If he um, wanted to, he could make lots of money doing that. Saf was in the military before this, so mm-hmm. a veteran. Yeah, just a just a really great person, and I'm glad that uh, he got some camera time, and hopefully, uh, has some fans to boot. Who was who's the person uh, that he said should play him? Is it like somebody from like the Lost Boys or something oh, like that? Yeah, I didn't really see the. I can't remember the connection, yeah. and I didn't even know like who that person was to be honest. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I feel like there's like maybe a. Like Rufio from Hook. I don't know. Like I was just trying to think of, you know, like who would be able to yeah. play Saf. Yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah, right. for sure. 20 years ago. Yeah, for sure. That'd be great. And then yeah, the, Brandon uh, Baker is who Saf said should play uh, him. And he's a Disney child star known for movies, Johnny Tsunami and the Jungle Johnny Book. Johnny Tsunami. That's what it was. Nice. <laughs> well, there we go. I'll go with that. Johnny Tsunami for, for Saf. And uh, then we hear from Josh Dial. You know, we talked about him before and really just seems like he's still just processing a lot of trauma from this whole situation. I don't really have a whole lot to add other than, Josh, if you're out there, hope you hope you got the help that you needed, man. And uh, seem like a legit dude. And again, wish, wish you all the best in your recovery from this very insane experience that you had. Who would you guys have play him, though? You know... I, I think pretty much like any like white guy probably. I I don't know. Like it just seems like kind of like a generic, <laughs> you know, generic. I was thinking Seth Rogen was my pick. Oh, no. Seth Rogen. Okay. He's too, but he, I don't can't, know. he can't do a serious role in my opinion. He does the same thing over and over again. That's true. That's Within true. that group of people though, five years ago, crap, what's his name? Who was? That guy from that show. Yeah. Crap. That, that one guy. The Hollywood professional blanket on actors' names. That's not cool. Um, Jonah Hill. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And he's yeah. kind of lost some weight now, so I think that would you know be a good physical match. Yeah. All right, so we'll say Jonah Hill for uh, for Josh. That works. And then yeah, I mean the other big kind of standout in this uh, wrap up was. Our man John Finley rocking the full set of chompers and glasses looking good. I think old John's cleaned up quite a bit afterwards and it kind of makes you realize like how a lot of those superficial things such as having missing teeth and not having a t-shirt on because you want to show off his tattoos. It really can just shape your perception of the person and it's like well him wearing his nice hat he's got a shirt on he's got you know his teeth in and everything looks like a totally different person and then you also proceed, you're like, oh, he's smarter. He's this or that. And just, and I think those are the kind of things that we subconsciously do where we judge the internal person based on the external uh, mm-hmm. surface. Well, um, and he complained about that. He's yeah. like, I, I don't like how I was portrayed. Yeah. But he's got his, he's got his wife. He's got his kid now. He's got his teeth. Another, uh, another person. Who Sobriety, looks like supposedly. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah, didn't yeah. he say he's like been like five years sober or something along those lines? So. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty major. Got his uh, property of Joe Exotic tattoos removed and covered up with someone something else. Apparently, his tattoo artist was getting some uh, shit on the internet, though. Social media and you know, digital lynch mob culture that we have right now. Going after oh. uh, John Finley's tattoo artist, poor guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, poor Just guy. Trying to cover up some. <laughs> bad decisions from the past <laughs> um yeah so jeff or uh john finley great he's doing well awesome happy to hear that and then we already talked about rick kirkham who made a break for norway was hitting the bottle pretty hard but similarly seems like he's getting his life back together so for the most part everybody on this wrap-up special i mean except for you know jeff and lauren Lowe, who are still kind of BSing uh, is doing better and is kind of honestly appraising the situation that they're in and the experience that they had with Joe Exotic and everything and uh, are just trying to move forward with their lives. So it's kind of, it's kind of nice. I don't know. It's kind of like a heartfelt little snapshot of where these people are right now. Yeah. I think the thing that really stood out to me about this was in the documentary, we heard that Joe had admitted to killing these tigers and that's part of the reason he's in jail and we heard that but it was almost like you weren't as connected to that it was almost like you could disconnect to that thank goodness in this one the conversations that he had with Eric Cowie and with Rick Kirkman talking about did you see Joe do this and were these tigers sick or not sick? To have that firsthand account and confirmation of that just really made my heart hurt. Yeah, I mean, he should be in jail. Well, and Rick Kirkham's story about the horse too, really kind of- Oh my gosh, the horse, I know. That's like, ugh. Sadness. I try to block that out. I did block that out. It's funny, like as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh, the whole story came back. But if I'd a- if he had asked me five minutes ago about a horse story, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, so apparently Joe took a horse off of somebody's hands and promised them that he was going to give it a good life. And promptly, uh, as soon as the person, like not like five minutes off the property, shoots the horse and chops it up for tiger meat. It's like, dude. <laughs> but yeah, Rick Kirkham's like, that was one of the, I think he was saying like, that was like one of the most evil things that he'd seen and kind of makes you realize the weight of those, those actions, the, the repercussions it had on the people who witnessed it or who participated in it and um, really kind of how depraved Joe had gotten there uh, towards the end, especially. Yeah. Which the sad thing is when I was looking at some news stories, just kind of seeing what's Joe's situation And one of the most recent stories that came out just a few days ago is, you know, Joe himself was allegedly assaulted uh, and allegedly by a prison guard. You know, there's some pictures online of him looking pretty beaten up. You know, one thing that we do know is he was transferred from the Grady County Jail in Oklahoma to a prison in Texas. I don't know if that was something that was going to happen anyway. I know once you get sentenced, oftentimes you're going to be held at jail until after sentencing. And then if it's a federal crime, you're going to go to prison. So that could have happened anyway, but, you know, in many ways, it does seem like a lot of the stuff that Joe did to others and to animals is now happening to him. I don't necessarily believe in like an eye for an eye, like punitive sort of perspective on prison. Like, I don't think it's cool that people get sentenced to jail and then they get assaulted by their inmates or by guards or whatever the case may be. I don't think that that's okay in a just society to have this whole additional layer of additional trauma and additional violence on top of what already had happened. Granted, people need to be taken out of society for a variety of reasons. They're a threat or or might harm other people, but I think that they should be held in a, I mean, in a humane way, honestly. So I don't, I don't take pleasure in the fact that Joe is suffering. I don't think he should be just out and not have any consequences for his actions but it is interesting that 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 cycle is again just continuing actually yesterday a 48 hours um special was airing on cbs and there's some new allegations coming out from somebody who is married 
to somebody who had worked with Carol Baskin and apparently, you know, they've got a story where this guy had, you know, basically said like, Don's not coming home and was like, you know, moving like some of Don's guns and, you know, I think that guy was in the documentary. Was he? I think the, that his wife wasn't or his girlfriend at the time, she was in the documentary, but I think Mm. he was on the episode where they talked about Carol's um, ex-husband I think yeah, he was the maintenance guy who Maybe. talked about like him bearing like gold in different places and stuff. Mm. I think hmm. that's the same guy. That would be interesting. I'm not sure. Yeah, there was a guy Kenny, that, you know. Kenny Farr. Well, let's find out. So the guy in the 48 yeah, hour special so. is Kenny Farr. Let's see if Kenny Farr was in. Kenny Farr, Tiger King. We're doing some live uh, investigating right now. <laughs> Gotta love Google. Tiger King, what was his ex-husband? Maybe that's on, was Tenny, Kenny Farr in Tiger King? I don't know. There's a whole, a whole bunch huh. of articles. Let's see. Interesting. Okay, on IMDb, let's see. I got to see a picture. <laughs> Uh, Is it the yes, guy? you're right. He was. Yes. Yep. I love it when the ladies are right. You were right. Okay. Yeah. So Kenny Farr was the guy that was uh, in the Tiger King series who was kind of like the maintenance guy or, or whatever. Uh, so remember, he was the guy that said, "If I pull this off, it's going to be the." Remember, he was the guy that repeated uh, that Carol's husband mm-hmm. told him that. Interesting. Like, if I pull this off. Well, so that is interesting. Okay. Hmm. Well, apparently his ex-wife is saying that he knew a lot more than maybe he let on. Here's like the specific quote. So his ex-wife Trish says that Kenny arrived home in the middle of the night with Lewis's van. So Don Lewis inside the van was a collection of guns that belonged to Don. And when Trish asked her then husband about it, he said, listen, I'm hanging on to these right now for Carol. And then he goes on to say, Don's gone. And I don't want you talking about him. If anybody calls, you don't say anything about Don. She's like, okay. Then they say, did you ask him? So this is an interviewer interviewer saying, did you ask him what he meant by Don's gone? And then Trish says, no, not right then because he would blow up real easy at me. I just didn't question it. And it wasn't until two days later that Baskin officially reported Lewis missing. So that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. But kind of going back to why we're even talking about this, still nothing's been, you know, there's a civil suit. We did talk about that. Uh, Don Lewis's ex-wife and kids, I think, uh, initiated a civil suit against Carol. Um, I do know that the Tampa uh, police were asking for leads. This 48 hours special came out implicating Kenny Farr and maybe knowing more than he led on to. But at the end Mm. of the day, I mean, she's being tried in the court of public opinion. Right. And that's not, sure. that's not really what our, that's not how our justice system should be working because it could just as easily put somebody in the crosshairs who's completely innocent. And maybe she is. And that's the thing. It's like, maybe she is. Uh-oh. All right, Seamus, bonus points. If you can guess uh, the product that Joe Exotic's going to be launching from prison, this will be, oh, what? this is for oh, 10 no. tiger points. Can you guess what type of product line Joe Exotic is? <laughs> currently working on from prison yeah i mean he's got to be relaunching that that underwear line right so (laughs) all the tiger points yeah so joe's going to be uh working on a line of underwear we're currently working with a brand called oh dangerous and uh, they told tmz that the boxer briefs are 100 percent cotton to keep your unmentionables fashionably stylish and secure and there's definitely going to be some leopard print and there's going to be some bright orange with tiger print and some baby blue tiger print as well. <laughs> and of course the classic Joe Exotics face on your crotch print, whatever that one is. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. So then I guess the other thing is that the Joe Exotic TV show was picked up by NBC. It's going to be streaming on their Peacock streaming network as well as um, I think the USA cable channel. 
And this is the one that's actually based off of the Wondery podcast, Tiger King, or Joe Exotic, Tiger King. Or maybe it's just Joe Exotic. No, the Wondery podcast, yeah, it's just Joe Exotic is the name of that. It's actually a really good podcast, and it covers a lot of stuff that isn't discussed on the Tiger King Netflix series. So certainly yeah. encourage anyone to listen to that if they want to hear kind of kind of some behind the scenes stuff um, that went on with Joe and he's got some interviews with Carol that fleshes out a lot of the, a lot of the information. Actually, I would, I would even say that you'd benefit from listening to that podcast before even watching the Tiger King. Cause you would have that extra context because at this point, I mean, come on, there's no spoilers to be spoiled. Everybody knows what ultimately happened. Mm-hmm. Helmed by Kate McKinnon. So she's going to be Carol Baskin and we don't know who's going to play Joe. I think that there's uh, some talk about who was the one that they were saying. Um, I forget who they were saying might be Joe Exotic for this for this series. Hmm. I do know that Nick Cage was talking about doing a different Joe Exotic uh, show, yeah. but I haven't seen that that's actually gotten picked up. My my vote would be Dax Shepard. I think Dax could be a good joe exotic he'd be great and then i want john to be played by jane tatum so that i can see john and tatum <laughs> and dax shepherd together because i think they'd make a lovely couple so cute oh so you'd have uh channing tatum as john finley yeah yeah oh okay okay yeah. interesting interesting uh, it's like the ultimate bromance right yeah yeah, yeah. i love it <laughs> just wrap them up <laughs> in those big arms and yep yep that's funny. I do think Kate McKinnon's a great, I mean, come on. She's going to do a great Carol. Yes, but I would like to see uh, Dakota Fanning. Because if you mm. look at a young picture, oh, yeah. if you look at a young image of what Carol looked like when Carol was in her prime. Yeah, with those big blue I mean, eyes. Yep. And then if you look at a picture of Dakota Fanning, like they look so similar. It's really creepy. She can be like the flashback, like right. the the early exactly. years when they do exactly. the reenactment of yep. Dawn and, and Carol meeting yep. that fateful night. And then if we're going to bring Doc into it, I think Tim Robbins is yeah. hands down yep. the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some that, people are saying Will Ferrell. I, I heard that. Oh, Will Ferrell. Yeah, that like I'm looking at one now and they're just breaking down everybody. Hmm. Um, the John Finley that everyone wants is Shia LaBeouf. What? <laughs> he'll no. go so method though he'll get all the tattoos for real for he already real, got yeah. some tattoos for like a recent role i forget what it was i forget the movie that it is um like the not the accountant it's like something i don't think it's yeah. a very good movie the josh dial one though is josh gad who plays oh, uh, oh, that's, oh. yeah and that's, that looks a lot good. more they look that a lot more good. similar. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. it's, they're both Josh's. Okay. Josh yeah. Dial. Josh Gad. So perfect. my Jeff Lowe would be Keith Urban. Because um, he's done some acting. Or, or no, not Keith Urban. Um, what's the other country? Um, Faith Hill's husband. Um, why am I blanking on why that? Why am I drawing a blank? Because uh, he always, because in his concerts, he always does like the do-rag underneath his hat anyways. Are you talking about Tim McGraw? Paisley? Tim McGraw, thank Tim you. McGraw. Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw, and Tim McGraw was great in um, the movie that he played opposite of Sandra Bullock about the football player. The Blind Side. Um, mm. Yeah, he's really a good actor. So I think he, I think uh, yeah, Tim McGraw would make a great uh, Jeff Lowe. This they one look, is suggesting Sean Penn. Penn. Sean Penn. That's interesting. Huh. Hmm. And Steve Buscemi for Howard Baskin. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think, that would be great. I think Steve Buscemi could could really ham that uh, ham that one yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Swimming in the river of ham for sure. Yeah. Um, interesting. Mm-hmm. Again, like it's fun to think about this stuff, but it's like it's not. They're not characters. They're real people. It's just like. It's, it is fun to think about because it takes you out of the reality of the situation, but the reality is just, it's rough. It is, but like we said, there's Ugh. some bright spots. You know, there's some, there there some committed people, you know, Saf and Eric who, who have their hearts in the right place. I mean, 
And that's, you know, and that's okay. You, this is what I learned. Isn't that like a, what like Stan does at the end of like the South Park episodes? He's like, I learned something today. <laughs> I learned something today. Yeah, that's what he says. I learned something today. <laughs> that most of us are good and we are working hard and our hearts are in the right place. And at the same time, the people who are not doing all that get the attention and they get the focus. And because they are amplified so much more, it seems to us regular people that that is everybody in the world. And that's not true. I think most people are good. Most people are hardworking. Most people do have their hearts in the right place. And um, it's just in our nature to focus on kind of the negative. It's in our nature to focus on the bad. It's probably because there's a survival benefit to being more attuned to threats than to non-threats. But that's where we can exercise our own kind of will and use our prefrontal cortex and some of these higher brain functions to actually kind of go out of our evolutionary triggers, if you will, and to recognize that, you know what, while our attention may be drawn to the dumpster fire airplane train wrecks and, you know, the crazy sex cult tiger guys and all these folks that are doing completely insane stuff. The ones that are doing the day-to-day -day work, the ones that are taking care of the animals, the ones that are feeding them, the ones that are keeping them clean and in good condition, that's most of the people. You know, I would say that most of the people working for Doc Antle are doing it for the right reasons. They're there for the animals. Most of the people who are working for Joe, uh, that was the case with them as well. And um, they're kind of the unsung heroes of this. And so that's, that's what I learned is that the good people are there you just have to look for them because they're not going to just jump out and hit you in the face with a branded, uh, you know, pair of underwears or condoms or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Are we done with Tiger King? Is that it? Can we be? Do we have any other final thoughts? <laughs> I, I might cry of excitement or yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm ready to be done. I'm good until, you know, the as John Ranke you know, hinted at until the next round of investigations come yeah. forward. Well, if they do do a second season of Tiger King on Netflix, I think we will be compelled to address it. In we'll some have to. We'll discuss it. Yes, we'll discuss it. Maybe not give it the full episode by episode treatment, but uh, <laughs> we can't not talk about that. But I think we'll, we'll we've see. got some time. Yeah, yeah. nothing's been announced sure. yet. And Hopefully. Uh, that other show is going to be on Peacock. So basically that does not, it's dead to us. Right. Doesn't pertain to us. Peacock, what is that? Even, what? What's this peacock thing? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's not Netflix. I don't care. Um, yep. Real quick, Tiger King as a series as a whole, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up. It was. God, Seamus, what'd you say? I love the way that you describe how it's all these things rolled up into one. But uh, oh, the plane crash into a train driving off of yeah. a yeah. You can't not look and. <laughs> I did laugh and I did cry. It did make me feel a certain way. So I think that's a successful piece of art. If you can invoke something in somebody, then you, you've done a good job with your artworks. A big thumbs up. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the emotions that were invoked in everyone were intentionally done that way. You know, if there's all kinds of stuff out there these days that people just get offended about, whereas half the audience doesn't, half the audience does kind of thing. This kind of hit the world at the right time with quarantine and all that so i don't know if it would be as successful as say like making a murderer was several years ago if it was if it would be that big but because people were kind of stuck indoors and had to watch something everyone just kept kept talking about this so yeah it it evoked emotion it definitely told a specific story so it wasn't like a neutral documentary by any means but they didn't necessarily claim to be either. Yeah, I think it was really well done in the end, but you are left wondering like what, if any more justice is gonna be served for the remainder of the shady people at the end. Yeah, we shall see. It's funny what you just said, Seamus, reminded me of somebody had a take on the Tiger King and its popularity and they were saying in their mind that it could be because we were all feeling caged we were all feeling contained that a show that's about tigers in cages and then ultimately a man joe exotic being in a cage himself 
in in a way in a weird kind of roundabout way it's relatable mm-hmm. that's kind of the point and um i think there's some truth to that we all kind of collectively hunkered down right at that time this this hits and it blows up and there's a reason it blew up it's not for no reason there's something about this story that either it was the right distraction for the moment you know something that we could just that was even crazier than many of our own personal life situations as crazy as those those were and and still are you know maybe that's part of it that it it had a bit of that shade in Freud, like, well, at least my life's not like that, you know, as bad as it might seem, but, you know, maybe on that deeper psychological level, there is something relatable to it. Not really a redemption story. When it's all said and done, Joe's still kind of saying that he's innocent, still saying this, you're not really taking responsibility. You know, you don't really, you kind of lose track of Doc Antle over the course of the show, but, you know, he doesn't really seem to have redeemed himself. Jeff Lowe clearly has just doubled down on his, general skeeziness and, and conniving ways. So it's not a redemption arc. It is more of an expose. It's revealing. It's revealing really kind of the dark side of our nature in some ways. But then like I was saying before too, if you look for it, there's also light. There's also goodness. People who actually did ultimately care and who are to this day still working hard to take care of the animals, um, which were ultimately ostensibly the point of this whole thing. So one of the uh, articles that I was talking about, Carol Baskin's Dancing with the Stars appearance, I thought this was funny. I'm just going to read this quote. It was a tampabay.com opinion piece. So the article says, we've reached the point where murder for hire targets are on dance competitions. Then again, this show loves a headline. Who could forget soon-to-be Secretary of Energy Rick Perry's quick step to the theme from Green Acres? Am I saying I won't watch? Don't be ridiculous. I have gazed upon Vanderpump rules for my high horse. As a family, we have taken to a game show called Don't, in which people have to successfully answer trivia questions or their loved ones get punched in the face. I will watch literally anything, but may deny it and mix company. So thumbs up. (laughs) Thumbs up. All right, that's it. No more Tiger King. Take a nice deep cleansing breath in and out. (sighs) Just a quick final note, if you like this episode, if you want to hear more Netflix and podcast coverage of Netflix originals, let us know what you think by sending us an email at netflixandpodcastshow at gmail.com. That's netflix and a-n-d podcastshow at gmail.com.